the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. The Wall Street Business Network presents Rob Black and Your Money, your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finances, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now, to start your day with the latest news and market commentary, here's Rob Black on the Wall Street Business Network. I'm Rob Black talking money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show, 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Lots going on out there today. Um, auto sales, real big, real big, super important part of our economy. Um, they're starting to get to numbers that are high again. Over 17 million cars expected to be sold this year. And, you know, I remember when we hit the 12 and a half, 13 million during the recession, people were like, oh, that's not good. Um, but slowly but surely, we've built back up, built back up, built back up. And that's helps. Um, AT&T is going to combine some television wireless services into one bill. They did get that merger with DirecTV done. Uh, the beef market is a disaster right now. Major problems in the beef market, so expect the cost of steak to go higher. Companies continue to see very high cattle costs at a time when product values and export issues are making it difficult to realize expected revenue levels in their spread business. Um, drought doesn't help either. A lot of people expect the California drought to pass into other parts of America. Consumer spending slowed last month, but personal income was up four-tenths of a percent. That's kind of mixed data. Facebook, undisputed king of the tech industry. Uh, just taking a look, users are addicted. More users are coming aboard every day. It's already planning for a day when current internet users are saturated. So a lot of product development, a lot of business management, a lot of PR doing great there. Tesla is pressing the United States government to keep automakers honest and keep their high fuel economy targets in place at a time when some of these guys are asking for a little bit of help. Heineken doing great, boosting uh, their numbers by emerging markets. I know you're saying... Did he just talk beer? I did. And uh, you can talk beer and investing. They go hand in hand. So there's no shame in that. Kraft is recalling voluntarily 36,000 cases of Kraft singles because of a choking hazard tied towards 
the wrapping of it, the cheese slices. There's nothing wrong with the cheese, just the plastic wrapping is a problem. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Sears, they expect to report its first profit in three years on gains to its sale of its real estate assets to newly created Seritage. Um, Sears also said its financial position has improved and that recent actions will enhance its liquidity. Um, I don't know anyone who shops at Sears or JCPenney's. I'll go to Sears to get a washer or dryer. If my washer or dryer quits and I need one the next day, they're really good about getting to your house in under 24 hours and getting your old stuff out. Where you try to do that with Home Depot, and they're like, two weeks. And you're like, too long. Um, just my thoughts. Let's bring in CFP Chad Burton. So welcome in CFP Chad Burton. Back in 1997, Kevin Smith made a movie called Chasing Amy. It was a romantic comedy. And in the world of investing, you kind of want to chase yield. You want your money working for you and yielding some profits. Let's talk about that area, Mr. Burton. Well, there's a difference between investing for income and the kind of decumulation phase versus chasing yield, which a lot of people are being forced to do. And in fact, it's kind of, that's what the Fed wants. The Fed wanted, you know, interest rates to be down so that people go out and say, okay, my money's not doing anything in banks. Let's get it out there in the capital markets. Well, that pushed bond prices way up and yields way down. I mean, when we're looking at high-yield bond funds, which the real term is junk bond funds, these are companies that don't have the greatest credit, right? Mm-hmm. These are companies that, uh, you know, one big thing happens, such as a big drop in oil, they're all of a sudden defaulting on bonds. Those are high-yield bonds. Those to be only rewarded a 45 to 5.5% rate of return on them, there's something wrong there. That's, that's more risk. It's just as much risk, if not more risk, in the stock market, and people aren't getting paid necessarily to do it. Now, do they have some room to grow? Yeah, probably, because rates are still historically low. But I think a lot of people have been forced into situations where, number one, they forgot how they felt and how they reacted in 2000, 2001, and 2002, and then again in 2008 and 2009 when the market was down you know, almost 40% from its highs. So then they've gone and gotten really aggressive on the dividend-paying high-yield stocks or high-yield bonds. And they've been doing really well, but if there's a credit situation, um, if there's a jump in interest rates, then these things can drop in value anywhere from 5 to 20%. And the same thing with preferred stocks. So a lot of people load up on these things just because they have high current income and thinking, oh, it says it, because it has high current income, it must be like a bond or a CD, it must be safe. I think people are really not aware of the risks that they've created in their portfolios. In fact, a lot of high-yield bond funds or junk bond funds now own up to 10% to 20% in stocks inside these things to keep the the yield high. Um, so it's it's a situation where people really have to monitor their portfolio. What's the difference between an exchange-traded note and an exchange-traded fund? Exchange-traded fund is actually holding the underlying securities. An exchange-traded note tracks the underlying securities but it's still subject to the to the uh, credit quality of the issuer. So, for example, uh, you know, some common ones out there are related to master limited partnerships or these you know oil and gas uh, companies that they they get paid a toll to have oil flow through them and things like that. And uh, they there's certain ways to invest in those, but most of the time when you invest in them, you get a K1 and it's a tax nightmare. But you can go into them in terms of an exchange-traded note or an ETN and not have the K-1 nightmare. Um, For example, one of them uh, 
is AMJ, which is J.P. Morgan's Illyrian MLP. So it invests in oil and gas master limited partnerships, but it's an ETN. So, for example, you're you're kind of investing in that and taking that risk, but you're also taking the risk of J.P. Morgan's credit quality, for example. Now, is J.P. Morgan fairly strong? Yeah, much stronger than they were in 2007, that's for sure. Um, there's also other ETNs or exchange-traded notes that have to do with um, different styles of bond investing and leveraged bond investing. And so people look at them and they think it's a normal holding, but sometimes there's leverage involved and then an additional credit quality. Now, are there some good ones out there? Yes, there are. But I think a lot of ETNs, uh, people don't understand the difference between an ETN and an ETF, and there's an extra kind of layer of credit worthiness that you have to be worried about. Anything about foreign bonds that we should know about in about one minute or less? Um, well, yeah, I mean, you got foreign bond funds, and there's some decent uh, yields that are out there. So obviously you have corporate foreign bond funds and then sovereign foreign bond funds where you're just buying the uh, you know debt of the country, almost like uh, U.S. trees, but from different countries around the world, whether it's Mexico or Brazil or, or whatever. And there are some higher yields available out there. Um, I wouldn't do it unless the bond fund manager has some of the ability to hedge against currency issues because the U.S. dollar has been going up. We spent some time when the dollar was going down, and, and so it really depends on the country and also the currency issues. So we've got about a third of our bond exposure in foreign bonds, but uh, the manager has the ability to deal with the currency as well as find the right investments inside of it. It's a little bit more volatile, but you do get a little bit more yield. Sounds good. That's CFP Chad Burton with lots of information about chasing yields. You can find him and articles about ideas like this at newfocusfinancial.com. It's newfocusfinancial.com. And you can find me online at robblack.com. Pretty easy. Hope to see you out at an event soon enough. There's information on events at robblack.com. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW. So AT&T is doing something slightly interesting. I think it was kind of expected, but they bought DirecTV. And they got the regulatory blessing of the $48.5 billion merger uh, with the country's largest satellite television provider, second largest U.S. wireless carrier. So they're going to start bundling services, AT&T and DirecTV are. Uh, it's going to be an all-in-one plan. It's going to let you connect four television smartphones and include 10 gigabytes of shareable data. Companies such as Verizon are known to bundle internet, cable, and landlines, but AT&T is moving to become the first to combine cellular with other services, mainly television. The bundle that they announced is going to cost $200 a month for 12 months, and it could probably save customers about $600 per year. They're trying to deliver more TV and entertainment choices to more screens. 
So it becomes interesting in that a lot of people who are quote unquote cutting the cord with Comcast, they're streaming a lot of content from Netflix. So they're keeping the internet cable or the internet connection, um, and they're trying to you know go after um, other services. So AT and T is kind of getting into that other services world and other screens world for sure. There'll be a lot of different price points, but uh, if you like using your smartphone at the gym, you know, and maybe you have AT&T, maybe you'll be able to like, hey, I can watch my television at the gym. So I kind of get where they're going at with it. Um, it's not beautiful, but I think it's it's good for consumers. And it potentially is stuff that we want. Now, there's a name out there in the world of investing called Twitter. Tweet, tweet. Twitter stock plunged 15% last week, and people are now starting to look at Twitter and going, how low will it go until I become interested in it? Remember, they basically IPO'd, came out, I think, about $46, if I'm remembering correctly. They were supposed to price at 30 but they opened at 46 And they've never been this low, so they're, they're basically trudging on the bottom right now from their historical numbers. And a lot of people are starting to look at Twitter and say, okay, what price does it become interesting to us? Um, under 30 is what a lot of people are starting to talk about. It's at $30.20. You can buy a stock and say, maybe if someone acquires it, I'll hit a home run. But it, it's not cheap. <laughs> That's the problem. It's still not cheap <clears throat> under 30 you know, you lose billions of dollars from Twitter's market cap and you're still not cheap. They're in between CEOs. Um, they're not, their user numbers aren't growing and they're not supposed to grow for a while. But at $30, you're starting to make some, you know, okay, it's never been this low and it priced at 30, but it opened at 45. Um, at $30 a share, its market cap would be $20 billion, which doesn't make it cheap. Google has that money. They got $70 billion in cash on its balance sheet. They have an obvious hole for social media, given its recent struggles with Google+. Apple, Microsoft, or Facebook would also be potential acquirers, but I don't think it makes any sense for them. Um, I think the stock would have to probably go as low as $10 billion in market cap to get competitive bids to be tempted by it. And at 30, it's got a $20 billion market cap. So you're talking about 15 bucks. It's currently trading 12.8 times trailing sales. Google trades at 6.2. That's called a price to sales ratio. Amazon trades at 2.6 times. The lower the number, the better. Um, again, that's you got to take it all in context. Um, so it's going to get interesting when it cracks 30. And then, you know, as it starts playing with like 24, 25, you're starting to look at like a $15 billion market cap. And you're starting to look at companies that are private, like Snapchat, um, where that's valued around $15 billion. So you're starting to come into people's, I'm not going to say wheelhouse, because that's one of those dumb terms that I don't much care for. But it's starting to become interesting. Uh, real interesting, in my opinion. So, Facebook is a company that I own. 
Um, and I want you to think about it. I'm not telling you to, what to buy because I don't want that's in your portfolio. They got 1.49 billion people on Facebook. Um, they got 1.5 billion searches daily on Facebook. 800 pe million people are using WhatsApp. It's a great app if you've got a friend who's traveling overseas. 700 million people are using Messenger. 300 million people are on Instagram. 40 million small businesses are using Facebook. 450 million people use events on Facebook. 850 million people use groups. I'm in a group called I Hate Rob Black. Um, I highly recommend you jump on I Hate Rob Black. Good way to communicate. Um, they're revolutionizing a hardware market, $140 billion hardware market. Companies quietly putting the screws to decades-old computer infrastructure giants like Cisco by taking its design it built for its own data centers and releasing them under an open source license. So a lot of startups are taking those designs and starting to build businesses around them. Their awkward PR gaffes are a thing of the past. Um, you're starting to see Zuck, Zuckerberg really calm and cool and collected as a CEO. He's no longer sweaty. Um, he had a pitch-perfect way last week where he announced his wife's pregnancy and past miscarriages. From a PR perspective, it was done beautifully. He's not viewed as an uber-rich brat who doesn't care about your privacy. Um, so in the world of tech, they're hitting the home runs right now. Apple, of course, is pretty strong. The iPhone revolutionized tech more than any other product since personal computers, but it's eight years old. Apple hasn't had a big hit product since. iPad sales are sinking. The watch is off to a slow start. Apple Music is shaping up to be a very poorly reviewed product. Um, Google, it's bigger than Facebook by a lot of measures, users, ad revenues, profits. It had a solid quarter, but Facebook is coming up fast in areas where Google should have dominated, like mobile and video. Google's not going anywhere, but unless one of Larry Page's moonshots starts to pay off, it's not going to rule the tech industry like it did last decade. Microsoft has had an amazing comeback, and comebacks are fun. After having played defense for many years, they're intriguing. Amazon's probably the closest to Facebook. Lots of users, impeccably managed business. Two major lines of businesses, e-commerce, the original one, and the Amazon Web Services, which is a $7 billion a year cloud computing juggernaut. But there's kind of a race to zero in that business, and that's got some people scared. So every generation in tech has its hero. Um, and I think we're going to see another 5 to 10 really strong years out of Facebook. Um, if you own shares of Facebook, congratulations on your success. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Find me online at robblack.com. That's robblack.com.
Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Apple's going to be releasing a new version of its Apple TV set-top box in September. This is according to BuzzFeed. The new Apple TV is rumored to have a revamped processor, a remote with a touchpad, its own app store, and Siri voice control. A lot of people have been focused on Apple TV, and will they ever come out with a TV itself? Um... A rumor tied towards Apple TV is a streaming service, much like music, but for content. Um, a lot of people are angry at Apple because in the last three years, they've returned a ton of cash to shareholders through one-time dividends, through dividends, through buybacks, when they could have bought Netflix. And they could have bought basically everyone in the Internet except for Google. And they didn't. So there's something that's going to be tied towards the TV that could be interesting. Um, Apple's HomeKit. So some of the new features of the TV will it work with the HomeKit. Could make Apple TV a particularly attractive smart home remote. Um, smartphones, PCs, tablets, connected TV, smartwatches, things like Amazon's Echo. Uh, basically an Internet of Things. We're going to see more and more of it pushed in the next 12, 18 months is companies like Google and Apple are starting to release products and uh, developer tools for it. Consumer control their things, whether it be your light or your security. Um, I saw one football player recently, this was a wire story, that uh, one of his college buddies was breaking into his house. So basically he had a motion detector and it had a text thing on his phone. So it texted him when someone was in his home. And he turned on his camera from his phone, and he was like, that's my buddy. Uh, more and more of that's going to be happening. PCs and smartphones will be the most prevalent remotes, or primarily choice remotes, as they're accounted for. About 73% of the total remote installed base in 2020. Uh, these remotes offer the most convenience and computing power. So and that's obviously going to be an area that we pay attention to. So again, that's something to start listening for. Now... That's cutting edge, right? We've been around for thousands of years as a society. And one of the things that I want to throw out there is healthcare. Um, I grew up as one of six children. And I've got a great work ethic because of it. Um, I saw my family, you know, come in and out of sicknesses. And uh, I, I feel like we all have this story, right? Um, trying to understand healthcare as we get older is definitely important. And companies like Fitbit are helping. You're going to see the Apple Watch become more of a medical device over time. So knowing that we're all more conscious of health and knowing that the planet is adding, you know, millions and millions of people on a regular basis and healthcare is not going to go away. I recently talked about a, a healthcare fund, which I personally own, Vanguard Healthcare Fund, VGHCX. Um, I think I can own it for the next 20, 30, 40 years. Now, I'm, I think I can. That doesn't mean I will. I've owned it for a while. Um, it's a fund that does a lot of deep research. Uh, clearly, the person who runs the Vanguard Healthcare Fund is a woman named Jean Haynes. 
I think she does a great job of looking at macro trends, analyzes drunk pipelines. Um, she took the reins in 2012 from Ed Owens, who launched the fund back in 1984. And he taught her about investing in healthcare and the important distinction between a buying decision that's early and when it's simply wrong. You know, a good foundation of education from a fund manager has helped Heinz guide the fund to a 30.8% average annual return over the three years ended in uh, just last month. Wow. It's pushing August, right? <laughs> good golly. So 30.8% return. Now, again, the Affordable Care Act certainly helped. Um, but 30.8% Average annual return for three years is stunning, um, and it beats the benchmarks. So, like, there's a Morgan Stanley Country Index of healthcare that she's beating. Uh, what does the fund invest in? Typically, healthcare companies, right? Because it's a healthcare fund. 65 to 80 percent of its assets are in companies with more than 10 billion dollars in market value. About a fifth are in foreign stocks. It doesn't veer into indexes. So just taking a look at trends. Some of the top 10 holdings, Bristol-Myers Squibb, Allergen, Merck, United Health Group, Eli Lilly, AstraZeneca, McKesson, Regeneron Pharmaceuticals, Medtronic, Medtronic, another company that I own, and Roche Holdings. Healthcare stocks are coming off a decade of underperformance amid the expiration of a lot of blockbuster drugs. Uh, there's fears that the healthcare reform could wreak havoc on profitability, but it actually hasn't. It's got, the pendulum has gone the other way. Um, the recent run-up in some biotech names, especially those with, you know, smaller market capitalizations, um, they could be in for a short-term underperformance because of the way they've run up according to historical averages. You know, when you sprint, you tend to get a little winded. Same thing with stocks. You need to catch your breath. Um, a lot of near-term uncertainty. Like, sometimes when you play with the drug sector, you need to know what you're doing. Uh, and her fund does a great job of it, like Forest Lab. Uh, they were mired in concerns over the March 2012 patent expiration of its anxiety anti-anxiety drug called Lexapro. But there were seven new drugs in the pipeline, and the stock has tripled since then. So if those new drugs in the pipeline don't work out, the stock would have been crushed. Oddly enough, they worked out. So... Um, and now there's an asthma oncology treatment. There's strong growth in China. United Healthcare is another company at the forefront of the industry's change. Managed care companies have gone from being a government punching bag to being a partner as they play a major role in implementing the Affordable Care Act. So United Healthcare has spent more on technology than peers, putting it ahead of companies. Science enables governments and insurers to change payment models and ultimately doctor and patient behavior. The focus is, you know, more on paying for outcomes rather than per service, leaving in the dust some biotech, pharmaceutical, and medical device companies that make commodity-like products. Um, you're seeing insurance companies get smarter and smarter. So they're no fools. They know the, the math, and uh, they do a pretty good job of implementing. You're seeing healthcare companies offer you, you like, hey, we'll give you a lower rate if you lose some weight. So 60% of the fund's holdings are in biotech or pharmaceutical. Pricing is one of the biggest risks, obviously. While branded oncology drugs average 10000 to 20000 per treatment, some new drugs are costing 100000 to 150000 It's got patients and doctors freaked out. So 
Um, a lot of upside for investors. In the long term, for the Vanguard Healthcare Fund, ticker symbol VGHCX. It's not for everyone. Consult a broker advisor for faking action on any stocks mentioned. But I do want you to look at it and say, wow, this fund has had a, an amazing track record over the last 20 plus years. Um, 30 years now, I guess. Uh, healthcare is not going to go away. And when you know the stuff hits the fan, it's one of the names that you should be looking for, in my opinion. Nokia sold its MAPS business to German automakers BMW, Audi, and Mercedes for about $2.7 billion. Uh, the companies are going to use the technology to help develop self-driving cars. HSBC reported a 10% increase in first-half profits compared to a year ago, helped by an upbeat performance in its Hong Kong operations. You like to gamble? Win resorts in Las Vegas sands. Um, they're under a little pressure. So Macau, which is kind of like the Chinese Vegas, uh, showed figures gaming revenue down 34.5% compared to a year earlier. The government in China is cracking down on corruption, and one of the areas they see people who are corrupt spending is gambling. Disney and Uniqlo, parent called Fast Retailing, have expanded a current product agreement with Uniqlo planning to offer a wider range of Disney-themed products. Uh, Uniqlo was going to open a store at Disney World's shopping complex in spring 2016. I've heard expectations for the Wars film is over $2 billion. No, 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 no. Yeah, that's right. So um, so that's the expectation is for it to be huge. Huge. Verizon Wireland employees are going to remain on the job. Um, their current contract has expired. Their talks about them trying to hammer out issues and pension benefits and health care costs. Um, I see a day when the Verizon and AT&T employees lose their pension or it's stopped being offered. Um, so, I don't know. I was hanging out with a firefighter on Friday and a uh, good guy. And I get pensions for firefighters and teachers. I get it. But in this case, the firefighter uh, from Redwood City, over half his, of his team lives in Stockton because they can't afford to, to buy homes in the communities that they serve. That's crazy. Boeing and Airbus could get some traditional additional business from Iran once Western sanctions are lifted, with officials quoted to say they plan to buy as many as 90 jets per year from the two. So Boeing, big winner, coming out of the Iran nuclear talks. Kraft Heinz, the food giants, voluntarily recalling 36,000 cases of Kraft Singles because of a choking hazard involved on the wrapping of the cheese. Crazy stuff, right? But it won't hurt the stock. That's all, the stuff is all insured. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Listening to Rob Black and Your Money 
on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeart Radio Station. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about. Um, Starbucks market cap um, is about to surpass McDonald's. And I feel good with that. <laughs> I grasp it. I get it. There's You drive down you know, a major road and you see a McDonald's and you see a Starbucks. You see a McDonald's and you see a Starbucks. Um, sometime next year, Starbucks will likely become the world's largest restaurant company. Eclipsing McDonald's $95 billion market cap. The Golden Arches, where many cows have perished, right? Um, the image has been tarnished, and it's it's going to be tough to change. So Starbucks, whose shares have rallied 49% in the last 12 months, I think they can gain another 15 to 20% easily as digital payment services help to drive earnings growth. They seem to have a lot of innovation still left in them. Um, they've got 22,500 stores. I imagine that they're going to roll out alcohol, um, some sort of premium craft beer down the road to help the post 5 p.m. where people aren't jonesing for coffee anymore. They're jonesing for a place to meet and have a quick drink. Uh, maybe a date starts there. So for a while there, they didn't, weren't really known as a breakfast place, but they're now known as a breakfast place, a lunch place, and snacks are expanding. So morning hours, which once represented about 80% of their business, um, now account for less than 50%. So, and again, beer and wine will be added, in my opinion, across all the stores. So the transformation, though, it's not just about food or alcohol. Um, Starbucks is... I, I kind of consider them a tech company in a lot of ways. 20% of all Starbucks transactions were paid via the company's smartphone app, more than double the percentage two years ago. The digital progress that you're seeing has been hyped by retailers for years, but no one's achieved success with it except for Starbucks. Starbucks customers will be able to use the mobile app to order and pay for purchases in advance, reducing long lines. Now, uh, I think we've all you know, been in a situation where like, oh boy, oh boy, I could sure use a McDonald's um, milkshake. Uh, we're just going to go through the drive-thru. It's a hot day. And then you see the drive-thru line, and it's like nine people deep, nine cars deep. And you're like, no, 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 no. So f- figuring out how to wipe out that line is what Starbucks is trying to do. Um, strong financial results have pushed Starbucks higher and higher and higher to all-time highs. Sales at existing stores grew an impressive 7% worldwide in the June quarter, with just over half that growth coming from increased traffic and the rest from higher revenue per transaction. Again, it's not uncommon at this point in time to say jokingly something along the lines of, yeah, taking your kid to McDonald's is like child abuse. It feels like if you eat at a McDonald's, it's like people are looking at me like I'm smoking a cigarette (laughs) or like you're from another planet. Um, so what I own shares is Starbucks? Absolutely. Um, I think they get an additional boost from, you know, more revenue per transaction because, you know, they basically sell out of ham, an egg biscuit, um, like the McMuffin, 
and going to Starbucks, you're kind of seen as elitist. It's almost like having an Apple phone. It's a status symbol. Now, Starbucks is expensive. That's the problem with it. Traded a multiple of about 30 times. Its stock yields a 1.1% dividend yield. So the dividend yield's small, but it's still growing. And it's expected to grow 18 to 20% annually. If it trades for 32 times, you know, 2017 earnings projections, the stock would trade around 70 bucks. So I don't see it rocking and rolling from here because it's pretty close to that number. It's getting hot up there. Um, but the trends inside of Starbucks are just pretty stunning. Starbucks mobile efforts. Uh, they're going to step up their loyalty rewards programs, which is, they've been you know, percolating it since 2009. Uh, the program grew by 28% in the June quarter. You know, When you have loyalty rewards, people come back to your store. The most frequent shoppers get a star for every 12 drink purchases they get, which can be redeemed for any food or beverage item. It's a pretty compelling offer. Starbucks members spend three times more than non-members. So this is the most powerful brand in restaurants right now, and it's the biggest driver that is the My Starbucks Rewards. It's like when you talk about companies like Costco. You pay to be a part of the club, you tend to shop there more. So loyalty and rewards are really, really important to getting uh, some traction. Now, <clears throat> Starbucks has made some mistakes. They got into music. Um... And that was a problem. They are doing gift cards that you can, you know, pump into your rewards program or load into your smartphone. Uh, Plastic reward cards counted for about 29% of all dollars spent at U.S. stores. So the My Starbucks Rewards members have $1.3 billion preloaded on cards. So people have already committed to spend $1.3 billion. Um, breakfast sandwich sales were up 30% last quarter. Lunch food was up about 20%. Tea, which they bought a company called Tivana, is about 10% of their sales. So they've opened 658 new stores in the past 12 months. Uh, is there what's not to like about Starbucks, right? Starbucks plans to double its footprint in China and Asia Pacific in the next five years to 10,000 stores. I would say the big fear now is how long is Charles Schultz going to stay in the company? Um... I, I don't see a ceiling on the stock at this point in time. I'm Rob Black, talking to all things financial, money, investing, and more. Find me online at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.